So we knew this day would come when we started this podcast, but of course, this is the last episode of You're Not Funny. Mm-hmm. We knew this day would come, and of course, the the tragedy really behind this news is is really what makes it such an exciting, but also sad announcement. Chris? Uh, <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> what we're also studying today is called pimping. <laughs> uh, pimping, also known as throwing your partner to the wolves. Um... Okay. Um, it's true. We're leveling up. We'll be starting a new podcast soon called "You In Fact Are Funny." So we can't host it. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be one of those murder mystery podcasts. Oh, about people who died on stage. Hmm. In all senses, or just literally? In as many senses as we can incur. All right. And do they have to? Do they have to be comedians, or can we get like our Bud Dwyer in on this? Yeah, every um, yeah, we can get uh, all the all the musicians, all the all the mimes, all the trampoline acts, anybody. And it'll be like Murder She Wrote. We will go from town to town with our podcast recording gear in tow, and. Surprise, surprise, shortly after we arrive, it'll turn out somebody has died on stage in every sense of the word. Chris, I'm just making notes now for uh, my next network TV pitch, which is Murder, She Wrote, but sexy young woman making podcast. (laughs) Killer, she pods. Ah, but of course, none of this is true. It's just a tiresome April Fool's joke. (laughs) Luckily, you sold it to them with gusto, so they believed you. This episode will probably be coming out a few days before April Fool's. (laughs) <laughs> making the exercise pointless even though it will be called episode 9 april fools it will not in fact be appropriate in any way some would say april fools is not appropriate in any way where do you stand on this timely pressing issue i feel like uh april fools is uh, amateur hour mm. april fools is to comedy what halloween is to to be in spooky amazing what are you talking about well, it's about people who don't be spooky all the year, who don't carry that flame in their hearts, mm-hmm. spend one day trying to be spooky and not being very good about it. It's like St. Patrick's Day for drinking. Or it's like uh, it's like Cinco de Mayo for drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like Christmas for drinking. Here, here's the only trouble there. Halloween is not about trying to be spooky. <laughs> Halloween is about celebrating all the things that are spooky. So you are... Falling in love with ghosts, goblins, monster mashes, and mashes of monsters. Those are, of course, when uh, monsters are trapped in the Korean War. Anyway, you're celebrating all those things. Well, you know, you're dressed as a cat or Krang or or, or, or the very concept of Sawin. But that's just about having fun and admitting, as all good human beings should, that it's fun to be scared. Whereas April Fool's Day is not about comedy. It's There's nothing remotely funny about the dumb April Fool's pranks along the lines of, Did you know celebrity died today? Oh, don't look at calendar or to give it away. Willie Nelson alive. I mean, Willie Nelson's never going to die. You can't fall for that one. You say that now. <laughs> Coinciding with the release of this podcast will be the death of Willie Nelson, Chris. This podcast... I believe we started it with the promise that it would be the death of Willie Nelson. Oh, no. I would never. (laughs) He's a sweet man. He seems nice. Some sweet herb. He does seem nice. Yeah. I've never met him. 
that's really the best thing you could say about an artist these days is he seems nice and it's like that's all that's all that i I need i don't want to know anymore hashtag no allegations yet yes it's that last part that's so important (laughs) one day at a time but yes but april fool's day like april fool's day i i am both for and again okay i'm for it and i'm again it right the the again part is quite simple uh unless you are a like a child and your brother is like two feet taller than you so you take advantage of i'm mean, just being hypothetical yeah not based on a real story no and so uh but he's also like uh, easily scurred and so like you try to hide in all the different places in the world using april fool's day as an excuse to repeatedly jump out of closets and things uh-huh yeah like that's great because that's really more about halloween and scaring people <laughs> right 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 so 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 when when April Fools is a second rate Halloween it's okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would gladly have some Halloween hangovers. We should totally throw a few holidays away in favor of a few regularly scheduled Halloweens. Okay. But the kind of jokes that you would get on April Fools Day with the intention of like tricking you just seem at most pointless. Let me put it this way. The jokes that you would get for an April Fools Day Usually, the pranks that w- that would have to take place, they just make you ask, why? Why would anyone want to do this Like in the first place? Like, I fooled my neighbor into thinking that it's garbage day, but it's tomorrow. I I glued someone's bed sheets to their bed, so now with super glue, so they can't get in it. Oh, yeah. I put saran wrap on a toilet, and now they will pee, and the pee will go everywhere. Like, okay, why? <laughs> You could have done literally anything. Have you ever enjoyed a nice bowl of quinoa? It's good. It's way better than saran wrapping a turlet. I I like quinoa well. Anyway. Yeah, it's way better than turlets. It's true. In 1962, Swedish national television broadcast a five-minute special on how you could get color TV by putting a nylon stocking in front of the TV. (laughs) They gave an in-depth description of the physics behind the phenomenon. And allegedly, thousands of people tried it. See, that's great. <laughs> I feel like some of the older ones that are still talked about, like they really, uh, they really had to go the extra mile. Yeah, I, I guess that when it comes to April Fools, only the choicest of pranks should be considered. And if you cannot look in the mirror and say, "I am indeed the greatest prankster," then don't attempt it. Because your pranks will be dumb. In 2008, the BBC reported on a newly discovered colony of flying penguins. An elaborate video segment was produced featuring Terry Jones walking with the penguins in Antarctica and following their flight to the Amazon rainforest. So Terry Jones, who has been funny. Which is a bit of a dead giveaway. Yes, that's also true. (laughs) That is totally a giveaway. Although, well, no, I guess he wasn't doing. He's gone all. He went all serious. But he didn't go. He didn't go serious in a sort of David Attenborough way, yeah. Or a, what's Bill Oddy kind of way? They should have gotten Bill Oddy. <laughs> Obviously, you go for Bill Oddy if you anyway, right. uh, because this is th- th- like that's to me anyway would be th- that would have so many alarm bells going off. That's like getting a Gulf War report from the ghost of Leslie Nielsen. Like that's no. Obviously, that's fakery. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the more recent ones underline their fakery mm-hmm. because. They don't want to cause the kinds of problems that some April Fool's jokes have caused when people have believed them too much. 
Yeah, I think that April Fools is the kind of thing that cannot be done by a person but can be done quite well by television, uh, as the aforementioned nylon example uh, you gave so beautifully puts it. Another thing that is fabulous uh, are, of course, the TV and radio presentations of things that are obviously fictional, mm-hmm. but are done in a docudrama style. Because, of course, you know Orson Welles' War of the Worlds was famously done as though it were happening, as though Orson Welles were reporting on the events. But not on April 1st, I don't believe. No. I mean, oh, sorry. But it was on April 1st. Oh, April Fool's. Uh-huh. Uh, no, the two things that come to mind are, oddly enough, Halloween things. Because I believe War of the Worlds was a Halloween broadcast. And one thing that I do know is a Halloween broadcast was a BBC uh, television ser- serial called – not even television serial, just a one-off special that was called Ghost Watch. Oh, yes. And – Ghostwatch, for the first hour, it is just, you know, people from the BBC, presenters that you might recognize from current seasons of British Big Brother, uh, What's-His-Face from Red Dwarf, all your favorites, having like a really cheesy, bad reality show about ghosts for about 45 minutes with occasional bits of like glitches and weirdness. And it's like, oh, that's probably just a live broadcast fucking up. Hmm. And then... There's a ghost in the studio and things start showing up on camera and it's genuinely frightening. And But people thought it – but even though it ends with at least one television presenter, famous television presenter, possessed by a ghoul live on air. Right. uh, A lot of people thought it was real. A lot of people thought it was real. And one, I, I, I like that special's commitment to the bit. So I, I can I can get behind the fooling there, and I am also nothing short of delighted by the fact that when it comes to the obvious fakery of both War of the Worlds and Ghostwatch, which no one should have been fooled by, that they nonetheless were like I like that I like that the the creators of those things got away with it. I like I like that I like that they pulled a prank without really intending to, <laughs> because those were just stylistic choices. Like, Orson Welles wasn't like, I'm going to fool them all. (laughs) Right. So, in 1976, British astronomer Sir Patrick Moore Mm -hmm. told listeners of BBC Radio 2 that a unique alignment of two planets would result in an upward gravitational pull, making people lighter at precisely 9.47 a.m. that day. And he invited the audience to jump in the air and experience a strange floating sensation. And dozens of listeners phoned in to say that the experiment had worked, (laughs) including a woman who reported that she and her 11 friends were, quote, wafted from their chairs and orbited gently around the room. (laughs) Obviously, I am getting all these things from Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. which gives most podcasts most of their content just to pull the curtain back. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Hey, we're not hosting my favorite murder. Anyway. Uh, it's it's funny because like I I would just assume that a person like you would have April Fool's Fun Facts dot Biz bookmarked. Yeah, I I didn't trust them. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's the ultimate prank. <laughs> it's entirely possible that some of these are not real, even though they are well footnoted. But I am not following all the footnotes through. Mm. My question to you is this: Where do you stand on the Mandela effect? Do you think that that was an internet prank that is working? Or do you think that 
you know, people are just being dumb and think that, you know, Shazam is a movie starring Shaq. And that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Oh, 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 wait. This is people who thought that Nelson Mandela died several years ago when, in fact, he died a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. And, of course, the Berenstein, Berenstain thing. Right. Because the problem is, in 1998, UK presenter Nick Tuff of West Midlands radio station pretended to be British Prime Minister Tony Blair when he then called the then South African president, Nelson Mandela, for a chat. And it was only at the end of the call when Nick asked Nelson what he was doing for April Fool's Day that the line went dead. <laughs> so I thought you might. I thought maybe that incident that I was staring at while you told me that was far more famous than I thought it was. Oh no! <laughs> I um, let's see. I, I Shazam uh, doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I remember Nelson Mandela dying uh, when he died, and and at no other time, mm. uh, in part because of a bugle episode about it. Ah. And uh, I also was thrown by the Berenstein thing, though I, I I believe that to be the case. There was something else that happened recently that – oh, I can't remember it though. But there was something where, where – I mean, frankly, I feel that way a bit about the uh, Crypt Keeper being male. Oh, the Crypt Keeper is all things to all people. You can't assign a gender to the Crypt Keeper. No, and, and – and uh, you know, I I recognize that I was not enough of a fan of the show at the time to really be paying attention. But every time somebody mentions the Crypt Keeper and uses the pronoun he, I'm always like, what? <laughs> I feel like I've been thrown into a new universe. Well, it, it 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 I guess it it's a little bit confusing in the same way that sometimes you can get thrown off by the lady characters on Bob's Burgers being obviously voiced by men. So in some way, you think of them both as men and women, because the Crypt Keeper is John Kassir, a man, doing kind of an old witch voice. Right. And witches are typically ladies. Usually a man is a warlock. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and of course, the closest thing we've come to any kind of indication of what the Crypt Keeper was before, he was, before they were a corpse. Right. We know that the Crypt Keeper loves ladies, but that doesn't really tell us anything other than the Crypt Keeper loves ladies. And secondly, and, and not even ladies, skeletons with lipstick on. So he's just, they're just into very femi skeletons, which is totally cool. Where, where do the skeletons put the lipstick? Uh, right above and sometimes on their teeth. Oh, Always a good joke. <laughs> and uh, lastly, in one of the radio segments, uh, for the radio version of Tales from the Crypt, uh, the Crypt Keeper informs us uh, in, in reference to Jaitalia, mine rotted off years ago. Yeah, we all know what that's like. Mm -hmm. um, so what about you? Do you do you suffer from Shazam mania? In the sense that I believe the Mandela effect stuff? No. The only one I was affected by was when it was Berenstain. I was like, I could have sworn it was Berenstain. But I also don't care <laughs> like, i have so many more pressing issues to face not just in my own life but in this uh frankly upside down world of 2018 yeah you know i i can't really get invested in cartoon bears the way i used to exactly like i was pretty young when i was reading the berenstein bears mm -hmm. and even though i could read at the time i didn't read enough that i knew what the name berenstein usually looked like yeah so in 1998, the local shock jocks Opie and Anthony – maybe you know this story – were discussing April Fool's Day hoaxes. And in the midst of apparently that discussion, they stated, 
that Boston Mayor Thomas Menino had been killed in a car accident. Now, this was 1998, mm-hmm. so it was harder to get in touch with people back then. Uh, I guess they could have paged him. Menino, though, happened to be on a flight at the time. So that made, made a lot more people believe that the prank might be true. Okay. And the fact that the, the shock jocks repeated the bit a couple times throughout their show, long after the discussion of April Fool's Day hoaxes had passed. So anybody who turned in late didn't know what the reference was referring to. And somebody called in to the show who apparently thought they were calling into a different show. And they told the news to her. Anyway, rumors spread across the city. And eventually, news stations were issuing alerts to deny the hoax, and the shock jocks got fired. Oh, so Obi and Anthony got fired that early before getting rehired or finding another outfit? <laughs> wow, I had no idea there were so many storied firings before the more recent firing of Anthony Kumia. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they've been fired a couple of times, it looks like. They are the best at being fired. Yeah. it's. I mean, somebody's. you got to have a skill. Everybody's got to have a gimmick today, and theirs is being unemployable. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, maybe it's just me and my love of hucksterism, but if I was Tommy Menudo or whatever the hell his name was, I would just pretend to be dead and start a brand new life. Chris, it's never too late to start a brand new life as like an odd job man with a secret in a small Midwestern town. He, he was the mayor of Boston, not the mayor of Chicago. Why was DB Cooper the mayor of Chicago? <laughs> uh, just uh, there's a there's a long and storied tradition of corruption in, in Illinois politics. And that is true. <laughs> many, how that many of true. the governors are in jail now? <laughs> but yes, you are very much again when it comes to April Foolery. Yeah, no, I mean it can be done well. Most things can. Mm-hmm. Some people have a favorite murder, but um, but no, I'm not. I'm not into it. Yeah, I I, I like it. More and and this goes back, I guess, to the Halloween examples I gave, because you can't really fool people if pranking is the name of the game. Then you can't really fool people on the designated "Let's all have fools" day. Doesn't really work. Does not really work. No, it's one of the reasons why Halloween doesn't try to be scary. Because it would be the designated scare day. And if you go in, it's like, this is going to be scary. You're just going to fold your arms to whatever event you're being uh, put through. Well, not if you want to be scared. No, I want to be scared, but... And so when you go into the haunted house that promises the fright of your life? I I suspect I won't be, and occasionally I'm pleasantly surprised. But come now, there are very few quality content houses. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not debating that. Hmm. I'm still not interested in going in any of. I recommend going to five at once. <laughs> but I love it when people get fooled. Like I was, I was similarly delighted to learn that the ads, even though they they proclaim to be fake in the ads themselves, uh, the ads for House Hippos, a Canadian creature. That eats lint and falls asleep uh, uh, whilst dining on potato chip crumbs and things like that in between your couch couch cushions. It's a popular PSA in our neck of the woods. I have not seen it, but that's fine. Oh, yes. It's it's delightful. If the idea of a tiny hippo eating potato chips and falling asleep on a couch uh, makes you smile, then it will. Sure. That sounds great. But uh, 
the whole purpose of that was the, the the point of that campaign was to get children to think don't believe everything you see on tv right but what it led to was a generation of dopey kids thinking that house hippos were real <laughs> and i'm delighted by that like i i, I like I like media having a warping effect on people because of how much it's sold or perhaps how appealing the idea is. Yeah. It's also amusing when when people radically don't get their audiences, <laughs> especially if those audiences are children. Uh, I'm looking to see if there are any other good April Fools on this list. Hmm. I don't know of that, but I do know of someone – like, I don't know very many good April Fools, but I do know of someone who had the right idea. Uh, Harrison Wheeler, who I interviewed on another podcast on this very network, on the second episode of And Thereby Hangs a Tale, has organized twice now an event that takes place on April Fool's Day, celebrating the fool as a classical truth-telling character. So you'd have a, uh, a variety night that was focused on characters and character comedy and, uh, shall we say, eccentric music viewed through the lens of the fool and what, what the potential of a fool character could do. And I took part in, in, in two of those, and it was loads of fun. <laughs> like I like the idea of trying to restore the dignity of the honest bumbler that is the fool. Plus, we might finally get those little sticks that have like a... a clown or harlequin head on them you know those little sticks that jesters have oh yes yes i forget what those are called yeah. yeah i want those to come back i want i also want there to be more cartoons in which there's a jester character usually of a sinister variety or at the very least a bumbling lackey where they don't talk at all but their jester stick face makes a bunch of faces which is a cartoon trope. I've seen it at least four or five cartoons in my life. I'm like, oh, I hope that comes back roaring with a vengeance. It's called a marot. M-A-R-O-T-T-E. Ooh. Wait, does that mean jesters should be referred to as marauders? Um, probably. That would be good. Giorgio Marauder. I also like the way that the fool from the tarot deck is, is thought of and described. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed that back in my tarot card days. <laughs> Are you Alejandro Jodorowsky over here? Yeah, I am. All right. Well, that explains that. April Fools. <laughs> Good, because I was about to send you to jail for what you did. <laughs> so sort of related to the April Fools things are the more low-key practical jokes, some of which you can purchase for your home use. And the one that I'd particularly like to talk about briefly hmm. is the whoopee cushion. Of course. Do you know what do you know about the Whoopi cushion? <laughs> Named after its founder, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, true, true fact. <laughs> the the Whoopi cushion goes back centuries, and it is the one piece of entertainment that the commonest of commoner and the why richest king can enjoy together before either is beheaded. <laughs> so the Whoopi cushion does go back. It goes back millennia. Mm-hmm. It was known in ancient Rome. Yeah. Because all good things come from there. But where did the modern version come from? Oh, um, the modern version, I'm going to say, came from – well, by, by modern version, we're referring to what looks like – The pink like, rubber thing. Yeah. Okay. When do you think that that came around? 
Oh, I would assume the 1930s, especially if it's called a whoopee cushion. In the 1920s, yes. Oh, close. And then, and then where was it invented? I don't know. Farts, Massachusetts? Close. Basically the same thing. Toronto, Ontario. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep, it's part of our Canadian heritage. Where was that heritage moment? I know. <laughs> you know, why didn't you have, like, Johnny Farts Magoo? Going, it's like, oh, I can perfect it. I can make it sound more like a real fart. Yeah, that's basically what happened. He has like a drawing of it he shows to his girlfriend. He's like, you know, for kids. Like... <laughs> they approached a few people. Somebody said, oh, it's too vulgar. It'll never sell. And then somebody said, it's too vulgar. It'll totally sell. <laughs> well, that is wise. Now, that having been said, Chris, have you ever been in a room? Where anyone has enjoyed the comic stylings of either a whoopee cushion or one of those little kind of playback recorders that plays back the sounds of different farts at different pitches? I've certainly been in rooms where those have been used for attempted comic effect. I'm not sure anyone over the age of about six has ever found them hysterical. No. I don't don't think anyone could. And see, I, I would even draw the line at the age of six just because here's the thing. And here's where it's so difficult to capture the essence of something funny, Chris. A manufactured fart is the least funny thing in the world. Someone loudly farting, especially if they are embarrassed by what their body is doing, is the funniest thing in the world. (laughs) Like, if it sounds like someone has just murdered a duck, (laughs) that's the best. (laughs) And if they turned all red-faced and embarrassed... That just adds to it. That's funnier than an episode of Frasier, which more or less covers the same comic notes. You you know about Le Petit Man, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Does that translate as Little Fart Man? Basically. Uh, it was a guy named Joseph Pujol, uh, who was a French flatulist. He was uh, – I'm reading from the Wikipedia page again because uh, you got to. Uh, it's a podcast. He was famous for his remarkable control of the abdominal muscles which enabled him to seemingly fart at will. And yeah, it, it basically translates into the fartomaniac. <laughs> His performance, for he was a stage performer, was to... He didn't actually, like... He basically was able to inhale rectally. He was Oof. able to sort of grab onto some air and then squeeze it out, uh, apparently quite musically. Uh, he would play O Sole Mio uh, on an ocarina or through a rubber tube. He could blow out a candle from several yards away. And, yeah. And, you know, uh, when he lived, can you guess from that biography when he lived? (laughs) I am going to assume that he's still alive today. (laughs) He died in 1945. He was born in 1857. So he lived a good long life. It was very healthy for him. He was 88. Hmm. But he retired from the stage at the outbreak of World War I, horrified by the inhumanity of the conflict, and went back to being a baker. A conscientious fart objector. Hey, on that note of people making entertainment with farts, Chris, has this ever crossed your eyes before? I'm, uh, I'm posting a video by a fellow by the name of The Manualist. Oh, I haven't seen this video before, no. That's pretty good. He's hand-farting Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I just love the seriousness seriousness with which he does it. That's what sells the joke. It's not the hand farting. I mean, like, the hand farting is, like, legit incredible that he can hit the notes that he hits. Yeah. However, 
uh, for the video Hand Farting Bohemian Rhapsody. The real laughs come from this Harold Ramis-looking fella and his total commitment to the bit. I'm impressed that he's able to do the sort of slot musical slides. Mm-hmm. This, I think, was the like fourth or fifth YouTube video I ever watched. Okay, he did the false set of bits very well. Extremely. This has been Web 1.0 with your <laughs> pals Chris and Adam. Coming up next, HomestarRunner.com followed by Weeble Stuff. You're Not Funny is brought to you by Megaphonic FM. Go to megaphonic.fm and check out all our fancy little podcasts. And we'll have links in our show notes if you want to see the Hand Farting Bohemian Rhapsody video or, you know, find that link to the Wikipedia article that you've heard the best parts of. Don't bother. Leave the mystery. This time around, we're talking about April Fools. And Adam, it is your turn to go first. Oh, God, it is my turn to go first. And I'm trying to remember (laughs) a single bit that could possibly correlate with April Fool's Day. Well, one thing that I did was, and I'm not sure what the inspiration of this was for, but it does almost require a bit of setup. But I would go out on stage and I would announce, please don't ruin this for me. And that would be my opener. I'd say, please don't ruin this for me. But there is a producer here for ET Canada, and they are starting a new celebrity chat program called Hollywood Tidbit. <laughs> and all of us here tonight, everyone performing has a chance, just one chance. And this could be my last chance. To make it as host. This is a really big deal for me, so I want this to go as well as I possibly can. So, listen, I understand that the jokes aren't coming right now. They will. They will. But I need you all on board with me. Can everyone please, can all of you get on board with me? Please. Please. And you'd get these strange pitying looks. I'd be satisfied with that. And I'd say, okay, I think we can do this. Can we do this? I would scream to someone at the back of the room. And I said, all right, thanks very much. Hi, I'm Adam Clark. I'm the host of Hollywood Tidbit. Fuck, fuck, wait, hold on. Let me try that again. Let me try that again. I'm not the host yet. I'm not the host yet. That's that's presumptuous. Please don't frown. I know you've seen a lot of things. Bound to make you a little less than amused by a little stumble like that. But hey, it happens. It's all part of a warm-up. All part of a warm-up. Think of that as a warm-up. All of this has been a warm-up. The real show starts now. Hi, I'm Adam Clark. Welcome to Hollywood Timbit. Fuck! God damn it! <laughs> and if anybody left or got up to use the washroom during that bit of the set, I thankfully then had a prop of who was the producer that I could potentially argue into staying for the rest of the set. <laughs> well, so, okay. So I admit that um, that I decided... I decided to. I didn't want. I didn't write this one. Uh, I thought I would. Uh, I would cover, like, like you know, a musician covering "Sweet Child of Mine." Mm-hmm. I would do my attempt to cover an old routine by a comedian named Tom Elliott. So it goes a little something like this. So April is the cruelest month. Okay, now hear me out. 
It's always breeding lilacs out of the dead land, and it's mixing memory and desire (laughs) and stirring dull roots with spring rain, if you know what I mean. Winter. Now, there's a real season. Winter kept us warm. No, no, no. Hear me out. Winter kept us warm, covering earth in forgetful snow, feeding a little life with, true fact, dried tubers. (laughs) Summer, though. Oh, my God. Summer surprised us. Coming over the Starnbergersee with a shower of rain. We stopped in the colonnade and we went on in the sunlight into the Hofgarten. That's the, the garden in the in the center of Munich. Munich is a city in Germany. Germany's in Europe. You people need to get out more. Anyway, we went to the Hofgarten and drank coffee and talked for an hour. And I think it went a little something like this. Lovely language. Anyway, then I said, remember how when we were children staying at the Archduke's Okay, staying at my cousin's. Anyway, this one time he took me out on a sled, and I was I was frightened. And he said, Marie, Marie, hold on tight, which is weird because my name's Tom, but whatever. Down we went. Anyway, long story short, Hieronymo's mad again. Data dayadvam damia tashanti shanti shanti. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been a real treat this evening. <laughs> I, I had to stop myself. Uh, that was a very interesting bit, and I had to stop myself from Googling Tom Elliott, because I don't know who that is. He he's more famously known uh, as Chris uh, Elliott as as T S Elliott. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the wasteland. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I I reveal that I may have snored through that one in my English degree. <laughs> it's a funnier poem than you'd think. Yeah, apparently. Well done. <laughs> well done. As you have done the thing. That you hated the most. Chris, stare not into the abyss. Let it stare back into you. For you have become the April Fool. <sighs> with your fooling of me and your T.S. Eliot bits. <laughs> Did anyone take your sort of, I don't know, maybe not quite Kaufman-esque, but that's the closest I can think of right now. Did anyone ever take that bit? Seriously, and after, afterwards come up with you and was like, how, how do you think you did? <laughs> no, because – and it's hard to recreate this on mic for a podcast, but I would try to milk the drama as much as possible as though like I am a almost – like I am such a failure at this point that I am berating the audience for not being on my side enough. And that's why the the audition is not going well and why I'm getting flustered. And I start doing what I like to call teeth acting, which is what uh, Kirk Douglas is very good at, if you've ever seen a Kirk Douglas picture. And it's like, why won't you believe in me? <laughs> and that was I, – I, I think by the time I – there are a couple of times where I could actually squeeze tears out on stage for this. So it was a closer – it was becoming more and more like a one-man show the more I did it. Right. But, you know, eventually I had to stop doing it because, you know, if you have a 10-minute set and this bit, which can go as long as eight minutes if I wanted to, <laughs> uh, and if they're willing to play with me, uh, uh, left no room for anything else. It's going to be like, oh, yes, cats. Cats are funny. <laughs> <laughs> did any other comedians try to – like who came after you, try to join in the bit? No. <laughs> Surely a fool's errand that would be. Ah, uh, well. I mean, it just seems like a thing you would, 
I don't know. <laughs> Chris, if there's anything that you would have learned uh, after so many episodes, if you're not funny and hearing about my experience with the stand-up comedy community, it's that comedians don't play well with others. <laughs> <laughs>